It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, Joel? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademade Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day, everyone. Welcome to UFC Fight Night in London, in front of a packed arena in London, Volkov versus Aspinall live betting show on Punt School and on the Trademate Sports YouTube channel also. As always, I'll be going through the main card today, giving you guys my thoughts on every on, on, the, on the six fights on the main card uh, and also any uh, betting tips or betting angles I can give you guys uh, for this weekend. So we will be going through six fights. As I mentioned, we will be going through Jai Herbert, versus Ilya Taporia. We will be going through Molly McCann versus Luana Carolina, Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Soto, Paddy Pimblett versus Rodrigo Vargas, Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker, and the main event, Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall. Of course, we are live, so anyone has any Comments, questions, opinions about anything I'm saying, fire them through and join in the conversation. We've already got one comment here. G'day, Sophie. How are you? All right. Let's uh, let's get cracking with our first one today. And as always, I have to be, you know, slightly respectful to those who pay a subscription to MMA Pun School. Can't give you a bet for every single fight, but I'll give you yeah, one or two for the, uh, for the weekend and hopefully that'll uh, set you on your way. Herbert versus Taporia. Uh, odds for this one. As you can see here, very short for Tapuria here, 1.17. And Herbert at fives here on Top Sport. Just remove this from the screen. Yeah, so, I mean, originally this was scheduled to be one of the prelim fights, I believe, but it's been moved up. Uh, just recently. So, um, I mean, it's a great fight. It really is a great fight. Herbert, Taporia moving up to, to lightweight for the for his first fight in the UFC, probably his first career fight at lightweight, actually. Normally fights at featherweight. He has fought at bantamweight too, so he seems to be going up the weight classes. But I believe this is just a um, – it's like a reasonably short notice fight for him. And, you know, he had weight troubles – a couple of months ago at featherweight. So I think this is just a quick short notice fight for him to, yeah, just to get back in the game. It's been a while since he's fought. And, um, yeah, just get a quick fight in there at lightweight. And I think from what I've read, it's going to go back down to featherweight. But um, keeping that in mind, he's he's at a huge size advantage here. I think he's only five foot seven, whereas Jai Herbert's around six foot. Um, I can look that up for you guys quickly now, so I'm not getting that completely wrong. Yeah, Jai Herbert, six foot one and 77 reach, and Tapuria is five foot seven and 69 inch reach. So he really is at a huge disadvantage um, size wise here. But, you know, Herbert really probably. No, he won't be defending takedowns all night, but, you know, that's that's Tapuria's easiest path to victory here by far. Um, he's, 
he's had a bit of trouble with wrestlers in the past or just his takedown defense in general. Had a bit of trouble with Moicano. Um, slight problem with um, Trinaldo. But clearly on the feet, he has an advantage here. The problem is Tapuri is no slouch on the feet. He... He's great. He's got great boxing. Uh, we saw in the, I think it was the Damon Jackson fight, especially. Um, he's just he's a new age fighter where he's just really good everywhere. So he is a bit of a nightmare opponent for Herbert. Because um, you know if he gets Herbert down, the size advantage kind of goes away, and you just get the feeling that it'll be a matter of time before. Taporia locks up some kind of submission or just lands some decent ground and pound on him. I think there's quite a big skill gap there on the on the ground. Um, and like I said, Tapuri is no slouch on the feet, which makes it worse because when he's going to be standing with Taporia, not only has he he'll be, you know, very scared about the possible takedown coming in, but if he worries too much about the takedown he'll cop an overhand of some kind or, you know, some kind of big shot. So, yeah, Herbert has a huge size advantage here, which helps, and it should help him keep this at range for periods of the fight. But you just kind of feel like if Herbert can't get him out of there sometime early in the fight or early in round one especially, that it could turn into, you know, him being on his back for large periods of this fight um, and either getting finished or losing a pretty convincing decision. Yeah, so like I said, I think Herbert, you know, he's not shocking on the ground, but Tapuri is pretty elite. So I think Herbert's only chance of winning this fight is by KO. I couldn't imagine him winning a decision because I think um, if he's able to, you know, if he's winning on the feet versus Taporia um, and avoiding all these takedowns, which I find very hard to believe, then, you know, Taporia's got to have a really good chin to be able to stem the attack of of Herbert. So I think his chances of decision are very low. Um, so, I mean, for this, I'll get up the, the... There's no prop markets out for top sport at the moment, unfortunately, but... I'd be trying to side with Herbert in some kind of way with the with the knockout. I think if you can get eight, eight-ish, seven, eight, something like that for, for Herbert to win by knockout, then I think that's probably your best way to go with this one. The other angle would be Taporia to win inside the distance. From what I've seen off the top of my head, I think he's around 1.5, 1.6 in some places. Just seems a little bit too short for me considering... You know, Taporia, he is going to be undersized in this fight. Like, I don't think he's going to be able to just get Herbert down every time he tries to. So, um, so yeah, I think inside the distance, you'd want something closer to that two mark, I think. Anyway, but, um, yeah, so I think if you – biggest best value play you can make, just maybe a small play on Herbert KO um, would be what I'd be doing. All right. We shall move on to Molly McCann versus Luana Carolina. Now, I think this is kind of going to be a theme for 
a lot of this card or a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is the is the crowd factor being in London. They're going to be heavily biased towards the UK fighters, obviously, or at least not biased at all towards the non-UK fighters. Um, and I think this is a perfect example of the kind of fight where the crowd could have a major influence on the outcome of this fight. But I'll get into that. Because obviously if, if fights do go to a decision and they're in London, I'm not saying, you know, the judges are, a, a, you know, scammy or anything like that. But the problem is, is the crowd will be so heavily biased and they'll make bigger noises when the UK fighter lands a strike. Uh, they'll be cheering louder just in general. Um, and if it's a close round there's a much better chance they're going to go the way of the UK fighter or the London fighter or, you know, the Irish fighter, whatever the case is. So that's something you have to keep in mind for all of these fights. If you've got a 50-50 fight and you cannot separate their skills, then you should probably lean towards the UK fighter because, and they've got the home support too. I mean, men mentality-wise, it might hurt them a little bit. Then maybe they get a little bit overzealous. But in some cases, it, it can really help them. It can encourage them, motivate them, etc. Anyway, babbled along there a little bit, but it's a good basis to go forward from as I go into this one, uh, McCann versus Carolina. I think this is a pretty similar fight to McCann's bout, last bout with, um, with Kim. I think it will stay on the feet mostly. I think maybe McCann can work a takedown, but I don't think she has much of an advantage there. I'm thinking if she was, I would say Caroline is a little bit better, has a little bit better takedown defense than Kim. So if she was struggling for the most part to get Kim down, I don't think she will be able to, maybe she'll land one takedown at most, maybe two, um, depending on how much work she's done on her wrestling. But I don't look at this and think that McCann's going to be able to out-wrestle Carolina. But I do think there could be a lot of clinching up against the fence kind of work, um, which I kind of see as quite an even exchange. I mean, Carolina's um, size advantage helps a lot there too. Uh, she did some good work against Loopy, but I think, you know, Loopy was even smaller uh, than, uh, than McCann. She's, you know, being a straw weight. So... I don't see really any huge advantage there in the clinch for either of them. Um, I think the biggest advantage in this fight that either of these fighter, uh, either or the biggest weapon that they have that they've used before is, is Molly's ability to just pressure fighters um, and make it a dogfight. She's not a pretty striker at all. She's basically a brawler, um, you know, not a, winging crazy kind of punches brawler but she's not too far away from that um and yeah that's not going to work against most or a lot of fighters in this division especially the you know the top echelon but carolina for me she's too willing to get pushed up against the fence uh, against the cage it happens it happened way too often for me in that loopy fight and that was at the hands of a straw weight I think she's too, yeah, she's too willing to to give away the center of the octagon 
Um, so unless she fixes that in this fight, I can see her having quite a long night being pushed up against the pushed up against the fence and also, you know, just being worked up against the fence. Uh, I've noticed a tendency when she fought Loopy that when she got up against the fence, she would leave her chin in the air just a little bit. Um, I think a big overhand for McCann could be a great weapon here. Um, McCann's got power, it seems. She hasn't got any finishes in the UFC, but it does seem like she does have a bit of power. So I wouldn't be all that surprised if she got her up against the fence, worked some big punches and uh, and dropped her. I mean, a lot of people will say, okay, Carolina's got the huge reach advantage here. She could just pick her off from the outside, which she could. And most, most a lot of good uh, strikers in this weight division should be able to do with McCann. But for me, Carolina doesn't have the same presence. Like we saw in the McCann fight versus Kim, that Kim, you know, pieced her up with jabs and straight punches constantly, but she just walked through them, got her up against the fence and went to work. Um, and I kind of see a similar thing from Carolina. I don't think she has the same, enough power and enough willingness to, you know, go forward uh, and trade in the pocket with her and be able to stem that forward pressure. Um, I can't see Carolina just being able to, you know, pick a jab, move, jab, move, jab, move, and just circle the octagon. I can't see her doing that for three rounds, not from what I've seen so far. So I think, yeah, Carolina's path to victory is if she can dominate in those clinches and somehow keep McCann on the back foot and and stop her from coming in all the time. Uh, I just can't see her doing that for at least two rounds to get a decision. Um, so, yeah, I, in this fight, I don't believe, yeah, I I think the odds are right where they are now. So you've got McCann at 1.69 at Top Sport and 2.17 for Carolina. I think they are right where they are now. I price McCann at about 1.7. So, um, so, yeah, I think that's just about right where it is. I think the most likely scenario in this fight is, you know, McCann will be G'd up from the crowd. Um, she'll be forward pressuring, probably cop a lot of shots coming in, but overall she'll be the one making things work, um, getting her up against the cage, unleashing some bombs. Yeah, there'll be periods in the fight where she just gets tagged up by jabs trying to come in, and maybe she could get stopped like that. But for me, Carolina just doesn't have that enough presence for me to think that she can do that for three rounds. Um, and the home crowd in these... In the judging scenarios where you have a fighter constantly walking forward versus and, you know, maybe not landing as many punches as the one going backwards, um, but, you know, the one going forward is being very aggressive, the hometown fighter, I think the judges could be swayed by that and that's why I would be leaning towards, you know, the home crowd gives gives McCann a big edge, I think, in this one. Okay. Let's go to uh, Gunnar Nelson and Takashi Sato. Another fight with quite a big uh, difference in odds here. As you can see, Nelson at 1.18 and Sato at 
So both of these fighters are coming off massive layoffs. So this is Gunnan's first fight in about two and a half years and Sato's first fight in about a year and a half. Basically a grappler versus striker bout here, um, grappler being Nelson and the striker being Sato. Um, I would say, though, that the, the gap on the ground or the, the, the gap in the grappling and the wrestling is a lot bigger than the gap is on the feet. Um, I just think Sato will um, he'll struggle a lot. I think once if this hits the floor, which it probably will, um, I think it could be only a matter of time before the fight ends. Um, I just think there's um, a huge difference in levels here in terms of their grappling and their groundwork. I mean, Nelson's one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners uh, in this division and, um, and Sato's been subbed you know, numerous times on the ground. Um, and you can tell he's not that comfortable there. So, and, and in terms of the wrestling, I just, I, Sato just hasn't shown me anything that makes me think he'll be able to defend most of Nelson's takedowns. So, um, on the, on the feet, I mean, Sato does have a slight advantage. I would say he's got a bit more power, um, you know, he, he does have some really nice straight punches. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he tagged Nelson once or twice. I mean, Nelson's coming off a big layoff. Sure, there'll be a little bit of ring rust there. If he's just a little bit off with one of his entries or he's just a little bit hesitant to, or just, you know, wants to stay on the feet for a little bit too long. Um, you know, I think, I think Sato has a little edge there on the feet. But I don't think it's huge. Nelson's pretty hard to hit. He moves in and out pretty nicely. Um, so, yeah, I think if Nelson can just avoid a big punch on the feet uh, or kick, it should be a reasonably easy night for him. Um, if you want to back Sato, as I've shown here, I uh, yeah, the props are not out yet for top sport on this one. But if you want to back Sato... I'd be looking at, you know, seven, eight, something like that for him to win by KO. I think, I, you know, like it's pretty similar to the Taporia Herbert fight. I really struggle to see how um, Sato or Herbert win a decision here. I think, you know, if they don't get a knockout, they're in big trouble. Um, and then for Nelson, yeah, once again, you probably want to be looking for inside the distance or maybe submission too. And I've seen you can get 1.9 for, for submission in some places, which I think is pretty good. Um, there's just always a worry for me that, you know, he'll decide I want to punch him instead of submitting submitting him once he gets to the ground. So that's always a little bit of a worry. But, um, yeah, for this one, I don't think there's anything huge there, but maybe Sato by KO, 7, 8, 9, something like that is your best value play. And if you want to go with Nelson, maybe submission or inside the distance at around 1.8, something like that. So, yeah, that's where I'd be going on that one. But let's move on. Um, Paddy Pimblett versus Rodrigo Vargas. 1.2 for Pimblett and 4.6 for Vargas. 
once again, I mean, these these matchups are pretty, a lot of them are very similar to each other um, in this kind of grappler versus striker mold. Um, firstly, on Pimblet, I was a little bit worried about Pimblet, just his escapades after his last win. You could tell he was certainly enjoying things. He ballooned up in weight quite a lot. Um, but just, you know, listening to a few interviews um, of him, um, it seems like it's something he's used to, you know, after a fight, he just likes to eat lots of crap food, drink a lot and put on weight. It's kind of, I, I assume it's kind of his just break from fighting, which I think's you know, not really a concern for me. I think it's, if anything, it's a good thing to get that break away for after a, after a long camp. So I was worried about that at, well, that was something I was keeping in mind when when betting this one, but for me, it's a non-factor. Um, but yeah, I think overall, Paddy's biggest edge here is in the wrestling and the grappling, and that's his easiest path to victory here. Um, especially with that being Vargas's weak point on the feet, I think Vargas is a better striker. He's more technical, but I don't think you know Pimbler just stood with um, Vendramini for a couple or one round basically and took his best shots um i think he's very confident in his chin which i mean it obviously goes pretty well considering how he went last fight i mean he did get rocked for a bit but he he survived sorry he survived pretty well um and also just in general like vargas's striking's good but it's not you know He's not some phenomenon on the feet. I don't think it's anything that Pimblet wouldn't have seen before in his life. So um, I'm sure Paddy will get cracked a couple of times. Um, but the thing is, Vargas has lots to worry about. He has to worry about the grappling, the wrestling, and the fact that Pimblet can crack. He's probably happy to take his shot. And he's happy to brawl with him. Um, and... Yeah, I just get the sense that Pimblet could overwhelm him a little bit with punches on the feet, you know, to a takedown, to a rear naked choke, all that kind of stuff. So I think 120 for Pimblet's about right. Um, I think, like the other fights, Vargas's chances lean heavily towards an early KO. I struggle to see him winning a decision or, or getting a sub. I just really struggle to see how he would defend takedowns from Pimblet all night. Uh, and avoid, you know, some kind of submission on the ground. Um, I think if you wanted to back inside the distance for Paddy, I'd be looking at somewhere around 1.9. Um, you know, the London crowd will be hyping him up like all the other the UK fighters on the card, so there's a good chance he could get a, you know, a finish here. But... Yeah, I think it's just another one where I'm not really seeing too much. I think Vargas's KO odds, yeah, I think I can't remember what I've seen those, but they didn't really interest me that much. Don't think he has, like, overwhelming power. So, yeah, I haven't really got too much of betting insight on that one. But, yeah, I, I would assume Pimlet's mostly, most likely going to win this one inside the distance. Okay, two more fights to go, and this is where it gets very, very interesting and very competitive. Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker. 
a um a very very exciting fight here in the featherweight division firstly i'll um <clears throat> there are props out for this one but they don't really interest me at the moment at top sport uh you got arnold allen at 1.8 and then you've got dan hooker at 201 big size advantage here for hooker this is another one where i should probably um inform you all of how big the size advantage is so dan hooker's six foot and a 75 inch reach and arnold allen is five foot eight and a 70 inch reach so pretty decent size advantage here for hooker who's moved down to flyweight uh, from lightweight as some of you know, he did some great work at lightweight, made it all the way to a title eliminator against Chandler and lost. But, you know, he's gone five rounds with Dustin Poirier, with Paul Felder, with the best of the best <clears throat> in the lightweight division. He's a, um, on his day, you know, he's a top 10 lightweight. So this is a big step up in competition for Arnold Allen. In terms of the move for Hooker, I listen to a lot of interviews from Hooker and the the thing that I like about what I'm hearing is that previously when he fought at Featherweight, there wasn't the <clears throat> the same, you know, procedures and weight cutting measures around. He didn't, you know, there was not as much information around for him to know how to do a, <clears throat> a healthy a healthy weight cut. And it seems like that's available to him now. And if anything, it's going to be a lot easier than it used to be with the help of the Performance Institute. Um, and he's already cut down to 145. He's done a test cut. His coaches didn't want him to move to flyweight, uh, featherweight, sorry. But since he did that test cut um, and he spent time there, done training, etc., cetera, um, that he's convinced them that it's a good move for his career. So... The only question I would have is his chin. Maybe it's a little bit more weakened, a little bit more dehydrated, but he has done this cut before with less help and he's never been knocked out of fly up featherweight. So I'm I'm confident that this, this cut is good for him and it's a good step in his career and that it'll be a positive move. I don't think it's going to affect his fighting. Um I think it'll mostly stay on the feet. I think Allen has the faster hands um, and he'll look to dart in and out of range, get his punches in nice and quick and get out, being, you know, at a, at a pretty sizable reach at disadvantage here. Whereas Hooker will probably stalk a little bit more, you know, land shots from the outside, look to uh, clinch with Allen where he can and that's where Hooker is most dangerous. That's probably his biggest edge here. Um. Yeah, so I, I kind of see, yeah, Hooker dominating the center, Arnold backing up or circling the octagon, coming in, landing a few punches, come out, or at least trying to, and Hooker will just try to keep distance and prod away. Um, I think Hooker's biggest advantage is his size, and like I said, clinching him in the center of the cage will be effective for him, elbows, knees. Um he might even try use some wrestling, I think. I think they're pretty even in that department. But once again, he's going to be stronger. 
He's going to be the bigger fighter there. So I wouldn't even be surprised if Hooker got a takedown or two um, if timed well. But, you know, Allen's got solid takedown defense. So I don't think it's going to be, you know, a massive, massive factor in the fight. But once again, I think the size advantage is the thing which makes me really lean towards 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 uh, Hooker in this one. His experience, obviously, he's been in there a lot longer. He has fought much better competition than Allen, and Allen's best win in his career was against uh, Sadiq Yusuf. So um, it's a massive step up. Obviously, he's got the upside, Allen. He hasn't fought, I think, in about a year, has it been? Yeah, about a year. So I'm sure he's made some great improvements since then. But for me, I've got Hooker as favourite just through experience, size advantage, etc. But like I said, you know, Alan's got a lot of upside. So I price um I price Alan at around one point oh sorry, hooker at one point eight five. As you can see on my screen here, you can get hooker for two point zero one. I think that's a good edge. So, you know, I think if you can get Hooker at 1.95 or above, 1.9 and above, if you want a small little edge, I price Hooker at 1.85. That's all I'll say. So um, that would definitely be a bet for me for this card, 201. I'd lock that in. Maybe a chance that could blow out a little bit more. I, I, I am seeing when a lot of these odds this week that the hometown favourites, the UK fighters or, you know, a guy like Gunnar Nelson or whatever who's going to be the favourite, uh, in terms of, you know, who the crowd's going to be rooting for. I am seeing that their odds are coming in. I think people are really hanging on to this home crowd factor. But, um, yeah, for me, if you can get, I think, yeah, Hooker could, you could potentially get Hooker at 2.1 at some point before the fight. Weigh-ins will probably be in about 24 hours, um, which I think could uh, bear quite a bit on this. I could see um, once people see that there's quite a big size advantage when they face off, they might think, all right, uh, I think I'm going to have to back Hooker here. Uh, and then the other way around could be if Hooker doesn't look too great on the scales, then um, then people could, you know, you could see some money come in for Allen. So keep that in mind as, uh, as you place your bets. But, yeah, let's move on to the main event. As you can see on the screen here, Volkov 206 and Aspinall 1.0. Seven six. Um, I think it'll mostly be on the feet. I haven't seen we have we haven't seen a lot of Tom's wrestling. Only really in the UFC, at least only that blast double on Arlovsky. But um, in general, Volkov's takedown defense is pretty good. So it's going to be pretty. You know, Aspinall is going to have to show a very good level of a very good level of wrestling to be able to take Volkov down. I think Aspinall will employ. I think overall, a lot of my opinions on this fight are based off Volkov's last fight against Marcin um, Tybura. I was pretty unimpressed with Volkov's performance in that. It looked to me, and maybe it was just the. Um, maybe he had a bad camp, or maybe it was one of those ones where he just thought, oh, you know, I beat. Taibura X times out of, you know, eight times out of 10, let's just say. Um, 
he's not really on my level. I'm not too motivated for this fight, but I'll take it because it's a reasonably easy win for me. That's kind of like Volkov just looked like he took a big step down in performance from what he produced against Cyril Garn to what he produced against Marcin Tybura. This could just be a sign of Volkov aging, you know, uh, getting older in his fight career and and now he's on the downward spiral. Or it could just be he wasn't that motivated for the Tybura fight and just did enough to get the decision victory, which is how it kind of panned out. He only, you know, wasn't a 30-27. It was a 29-28 victory over Tybura, who's never really excelled at that top, top level. Um, And it wasn't a clear, I mean, it was pretty clear, but um, it wasn't a dominant 29-28. But anyway, I think... um, I think Aspinall will just employ a pretty similar game plan to what Marcin did in that last fight, or at least what Tybura tried to do, um, and he was quite successful with. So getting on the front foot, getting in Volkov's face, get Volkov moving backwards, which eliminates his kicks, which are his biggest weapon. Not eliminates them, but stifles them to a certain point. Look to engage in the pocket, push him up against the fence, wear on Volkov, you know, drag him into deep water. I would, I would assume Aspinall probably has better cardio, better gas tank than Volkov. Volkov looked tired or not not overwhelmingly tired, but fatigued for large portions of that Tybura fight. Um, and I, I can just see, you know, Aspinall trying to drag him into it. Just wear on Volkov, you know, take out, take out those, um, yeah, just get him going backwards, take away those kicks and make it a little bit of a dogfight without, you know, getting into a complete shootout with Volkov because he's obviously a very good striker. Think uh, he will have a speed advantage, Aspinall. Um, but my biggest worry for Aspinall is he does leave his chin out there a bit. Like when he's happy to really engage with fighters um, and he's got lightning fast hands for the heavyweight division, but, you know, he does leave his chin out there a bit, which is a bit of a worry. So I am a little bit worried he could get clipped by Volkov. And also this is, you know, a big step up in competition for, for him going from um, uh, beat Olovsky in his second last fight and then he's gone to, um, oh, God, what was his last? should know this off the top of my head, but I'm having a bit of a brain fade here. Spivak, of course, yes. It's a big, it's a big step up in competition, and it's a big step up in striking. So, you know, he's young, getting better every fight. He's got the upside. Um, I just think that if you remove Tybura from that last fight, if you were saying, "All right, the Aspinall of today is going to face the," in you know the. He's going to face the Volkov of that fight in, I think it was October last year or November. If you just take out Tybura, put Aspinall in, I think it's a, I think he wins that fight a lot more often than, um, than Volkov than Volkov does because Tybura, you know, Aspinall's a lot faster, a lot better striking, probably better wrestling, just all round better than Tybura by quite a distance, and. Volkov only 29-28 in a pretty uninspiring performance, I would say. So, um, 
if Aspinall can just get in his face, get him going backwards and avoid a big punch, I think this will be a really good night for him. If he wants to make this a pretty point fight on the outside with Volkov, it becomes a lot more even. But I think Aspinall would be stupid to employ any kind of game plan like that. Maybe he will, but I think his best path to victory is what I've described earlier. So I personally have um, priced Aspinall around 1.7 to 1.75. also factoring in the home crowd and also factoring in the Volkovs had a few complications getting to the fight, I believe, um, with, you know, being Russian and the and the war and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know too many details around that, but I know that there was a chance the Volkov wasn't going to be able to make it to the fight, so I assume it's not been the perfect fight camp for him. But as you can see on my screen, 1.76 for Aspinall, I think... Um, I think these odds are about right. Maybe there's a tiny bit of value there left in Aspinall. But, um, yeah, I price them around 1.7 to 1.75. So I think they're just about right now. In terms of the props, as I bet, I bet Aspinall earlier in the week when he was 1.99. So I am um, so I haven't really had much of a look at them. But obviously if Aspinall is going to have success in, this, success in this fight, his best path to victory is going to be um, getting a knockout. I would assume, followed by a decision not too far away. So, um, so yeah, I won't give too much advice on the props there just because I haven't even had a look. So, um, but yeah, like I've said, Aspinall, if you can get him, you can get him 1.8 and above. I think he's a decent bet. All right. And that brings us to the end of the show. We are. Um, we've got one more card next week. We've been going eight weeks in a row by the end of next week. So, um, yeah, then I'll get a nice little break, which will be good. Uh, for those who are not have not subscribed to MMA Pun School and you're interested, head over to my website, as you can see here, velabetting.com. You can see my results with the channel and how we're going. You can see... Um, and you can sign up there too if you're interested. So, um, and yeah, obviously you'll get all of my bets throughout the week. Like I said, we bet Aspinall 1.99 earlier in the week. I think Grundy at around 1.75 or something like that, and he's into 1.5s now. So you'll get all the good stuff earlier in the week. Um, but yeah, like and subscribe, and I will be back next week with... Um, yeah, fight talk on the on the Dorcas versus Blades fight cards. That'll be good fun. Have a good weekend, guys. Cheers.